Hello there and welcome. How are you doing? What's the crack? Here we are, another episode of An Irishman Abroad on a Sunday. I hope this finds you well. Boy, oh boy, do we have an episode for you today. Where do you start with someone like John McGrath? Any and all of this story is absurd. It's unbelievable. It's inspirational at the same time. He was a gold medalist for Ireland in rowing and unfortunately had his career cut short through a back injury. Now, for many people and many people who have appeared on this show, that would be enough. Well, that was only the beginning for John. He then went on this sort of pilgrimage to the East, studying self-mastery and the power of the mind and learning how to harness the mind to push the body through the most extreme physical barriers, including the pain that he was suffering himself. Under Bruce Lee's teacher, Doju Numji, yeah, the man who taught Bruce Lee, John earned his black belt in Hapkido and would return to compete for Ireland again as a martial artist. Again, for most people, that would be enough. That's your story. But John's story has more twists and turns than a Netflix crime series, I'm telling you. He travelled the world again as a strong man, literally bending steel, tearing up phone books and decks of cards, and returned to establish one of the most respected gyms in the country, only for the crash to wipe it all out. Defeat just isn't in this man's vocabulary. He upsticks again, goes to South Africa, where today he's built a life and a business, consulting, advising and coaching Olympic athletes, the Springboks, CEOs, you name it. He is bringing the best performances out of all of his clients. It's phenomenal. And I told you, I didn't know where to start, but I think I've done a good enough job summarising it there. I sat down with him back in June to talk about the journey, Bruce Lee, losing it all, starting again. And this is just a taster. Of course, you can hear the full conversation. I really urge you to come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad and hear the entire story. The second half of this is something else and you don't want to miss it. It's over on patreon.com forward slash Irishmanabroad as are all of our episodes, the entire back catalogue of everything we've done, including our bonus series and our weekly episodes with Marion McKeown, Irishman in America, and the running show with Sonia O'Sullivan on a Tuesday. Irishman running abroad, which is really heating up as I head on my journey to try and train for a marathon. I can do it with a little bit of John McGrath this week. I tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it today. Jigsaw.ie are our chosen charity partner. I'm delighted to represent them and support them. And through the running, I'm going to raise money specifically through that for them i'd love if you joined us come on the journey on that uh, you can join us on strava.com forward slash irishman abroad we've got a running group there you listen to the sonia episodes and we have our events once a month i'm going to announce something big there later in the month and i'd love you to be part of it but for now sit back relax and enjoy this taster of the john mcgrath episode of an irishman abroad that's the small talk. Now let's go down to business. Now, your programme. What's the big idea? Well, they've grown to know the Irish much better. We've now got to know how largely their mind works. I moved over here and immediately I had to up my game. I could not have done the job I, I did for quite a number of years in Ireland. I had to go and earn my living in England. I think a lot of it's in my hair. I think there's a lot of Ireland in here. I had an Irish upbringing. 20 years after an Irishman couldn't get a fucking job, 
We had the presidency. It was some heightened awareness of how hard my tribe had had it in London. No blacks, no Irish, no dogs. Never has a nation so small inspired so much in another. So you could say there's always been a little green behind the red, white, and blue. Our family is very Irish, you know. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special announcement to make at this stage. Would you welcome, please, the wonderful Charlie Threego! John McGrath, brilliant to have you on Irishman Abroad. I mean, your story, you may have one of the most interesting stories of anyone that I've ever had on the show. And it was actually Ewan McKenna that directed me towards you and his his words. Uh, and people who know Ewan McKenna will know that he's one of the most sceptical men on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he said he said to me that this this guy's story is truly inspirational. And what I uh, love about it, John, is that when you are giving your motivational talks, you literally tell your story and that that's the centerpiece of what motivates people. When did you mm-hmm. when did you kind of realize that? Well, just actually telling the tale that is my life is is enough to motivate people in and of itself. Well, firstly, Jared, um, I mean this, but it's a massive privilege to be here with you today. I've been listening to you, I think, since about 2015. No way. So, um, yeah. So, um, I, I'm really, um, from my heart, I mean, that's a, I'm really grateful to be here with you. So, thank you very much no, for that. You're very welcome. I don't know, was there a particular day or was there a moment when I realized it? I, I started... I suppose, performing these feats of strength that I will probably get onto that when I'm jumping into it maybe a bit beforehand. Mm, no, go I started it. performing these amazing feats of strength where I, I bend horseshoes, I break chains, and um, I perform, I tear decks of cards and have, I perform phenomenal feats of strength. And um, I suppose through that, people would ask me questions in the opening, you know, when I would be finished one feat and go into another. And it just sort of grew from there. And, right. you know, that, that whole story since I came here as well, um, you know, in South Africa, I've had a, a uh, you know, a very interesting, we'll say, um, journey here as well since I've been came here. And people, I just found people became fascinated with it and I just started telling it more and more and more. And um, I don't think I was particularly uh, a gifted storyteller in the beginning, but I think it's like anything that one does, one becomes better at it through through practice and um, I suppose having a story to tell in the first place. And recognizing what it is that's interesting about your story that catches people's imaginations. I mean, clearly the the feats of strength are a thing that people marvel at and Mm -hmm. will always marvel at and have for generations like going back to the very beginnings of circus and Mm -hmm. even the Olympics, to a degree, yes. Uh, yes. was about the freakish ability of certain people to do these feats of strength that others can't. But you have said that you realized at maybe 14 years old that your strength was going to be the ticket to the world for you. Yes. What yes. what happened at 14 to make you think that, first of all? Were you an exceptionally strong 14-year-old? I think I had potential in strength always. And I think we all have potential at something. And when you match that with a certain desperation, and for me, there was like a desperate 
I couldn't stay, you know, where I was. It, it was a hopeless situation growing up for me in, in, in West Waterford. The life that would have been panning out in front of me wasn't, you know, wasn't for me. And I knew that if I was to do something, I knew it was going to be through the vehicle of strength was going to be it. And how, Sorry, how, how do you mean the life that was panning out? Like, describe exactly how bleak it was. Well... For me, you know, I mean, if you grew up in uh, Ireland in the 1980s, most people left. The ones who didn't got, um, you know, where I lived, I mean, I wasn't going to go to university. I wasn't going to have any real sort of uh, high-level job. I was going to be in a, you know, either working in chicken factory with my hand up a chicken's ass for most of the day, or... <laughs> 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 yeah, that's the kind of, and if that's if you were lucky, that's what um, that's what you were facing. Gotcha. So that's and, pretty bleak. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, for me, that, that was pretty, sorry to be so graphic. Yeah, but no. That's the way. That's what it was, and and for me, that 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 wasn't that wasn't going to be an option. I chose that I was going to have a different life, and I I had to I had to pour everything I had into it to make that happen. And so through strength, and I discovered the sport of rowing. At 14, there was a guy, um, the rowing club at the time used to organize uh, swimming lessons, which was sort of a catching, uh, a way to catch you. Mm. And there was a guy swam next to me and he just stopped and he got talking to me. Dan Murray was his name. And he said, um, if you rowed, if you row for four or five years, you could probably row for Ireland. And, and I just chose to believe him. <laughs> and, you know, w one of the things as well, I mean, growing up in Ireland in, in the 80s, it's, it wasn't many people like coming across to you and saying, you know, you're awesome, man, you can do this. And Oh, even now, uh, I mean, even now, even that's now. not a very yeah. Irish thing to do. Yeah, it's not a very Irish thing. And, and you can imagine, I don't know, I can never recall, I'm not saying that there wasn't, but I can never recall any other word that somebody spoke to me before that age or even soon after that, that you could do something. Mm. So, um, in so some the ways, compliment hit you yeah, at the at yeah. the right time, in, yeah. in the the most malleable state possible, but mm -hmm. it it makes you basically turn on the thrusters towards this goal of rowing for Ireland, right? Yes. Yeah. So mm -hmm. within that, obviously, that must be where you discover your own resilience. Like up to that point, you weren't committed to anything, right? That's right. I wasn't, no. And uh, I discovered that um, you'll reap what you sow, particularly in the sport of rowing. It's a sport that rewards effort li like few others. Mm. I mean, you know, we've got very good at it for the last few years. and this, um, But it, it, it is that kind of re sport. Uh, it's a sport. I think it brings out it brings out something special inside you. I think it's uh, there's a saying goes that if you can bring out what's inside you, it's going to save you. If you can't bring out what's inside you, that's, it's going to kill you. So, I mean, kill regarding, you know, it might be a death immediately. But for me, it would have been a death to live a life where I wasn't, you know, experiencing at my highest potential for me. That would have been a death. And I sort of recognized that. I couldn't put that in words when I was young, hmm. you know, but I recognized that, that, uh, that I had to do something. I had to expand. I had to grow. I had to travel and for and rowing was like tremendous for us at that time because you could get to travel the country you know one day you're at trinity regatta you're in cork you're in galway limerick and it's just 
And the other thing that was fantastic about rowing is that the people you rowed against, it wasn't like that you, it wasn't like other sports where you had to um, commit to conflict or contact with them. The mm. person you rowed against literally laid out a challenge for you and um, to see how fast you can go on. Um, that was it, you know. So yeah, it, was, it was great camaraderie in that sport as well. It lets you travel the world. It, it brings you it literally all over the planet. And, yes. you know, I don't know if you had a massive plan to go I know you'd no intentions of quitting when the injury happened Mm -hmm. but uh, you know I've talked to numerous sports people about you know the grief and the loss of that moment when you're told this is done Uh, can you take us back to that moment and what the injury was exactly and how long it took you to pivot towards martial arts Mm -hmm. so it was a a lower back injury on L4 and I could never, I tried to, to rehab it. I really worked hard to rehab it and to get it right, but I could never get it right to the, to the degree where I could roll again. And it's hard to explain when your whole life is taken away because it's not like I could fall back on something. Um, that was it. And my identification was in like, John is a roar. That's who I was in mm, the world. Mm. I didn't have anything else. And I did my idea of myself, even though rowing fulfilled a certain amount of growth in me, but um, still my idea of myself as a young man wasn't probably what it should have been. You know, I probably didn't even have a maturity. So that was a very, very difficult phase of, of my life. But I knew that I had to go on and I knew through sport, the answer still laid through somewhere in that strength, you know, and, um, and as you said, I found the world of martial arts. I mean, it would it, it makes sense in this in the sense that you needed a different type of movement and you needed to increase your stability and flexibility mm-hmm, yes. in order mm-hmm. to to move forward, because if you didn't, if you didn't find martial arts, things will seize up and you you would have difficulty walking with an injury Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Uh, mm-hmm. But martial arts is is a peculiar one in that it also demands an awful lot. It, it, it is like it's it's a way of life. It, it's yeah. not just a, a pastime to an extent you're mm-hmm. signing up to a philosophy. How much of mm-hmm. the attraction of it was that uh, uh, on top of the the obvious physical uh, prowess that it gives you? Well, I think there's, there's a saying in martial arts in, in itself that training is the way, um, mm. you know, that is the way in life. And to be uh, trained and honed your skills, and that is the way. And there's, um, I think I need, I needed that. I'm sort of an all or nothing character. Mm. And that has great potential. But it also, it's like, um, it can be destructive as well if the cannon is facing in the wrong direction. But luckily enough, I've been able to point it in the right direction for most of my life. So it is a way of life. And I mm. think I've always needed a way of life. And um, I've always been, uh, I think one one step follows the other. And um, yeah, it is, it, it, it is that. And that's part of the, Part of the, the greatness the, of it, I suppose. Yeah. 
So the, just the other day, I spoke to uh, a guy who coaches youngsters in basketball. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we had spoken about how when we were learning the game, there was no talk of who we wanted to be as human beings. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That the discussion in every training session and the purpose of why we were doing this was so that we could knock the bollocks out of the town next door <laughs> in yeah. front of yeah. a large group of people. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the underlying philosophy of playing GA or whatever it was you were into in Ireland was to put Absolutely. one over on those fellas in Shelbyville. You know, the martial arts that you found yourself in at the highest levels, that's put to one side. Like, as you say, the way is 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 what the the goal is and that mm-hmm. the outcome will follow. How much, John, do you do you think that, you know, this forms the pillar that holds up the tent that is your your work now? Mm-hmm. Quite a lot, actually. Uh, I think it's very important to begin with the end in mind. It's very important to begin of a picture of the outcome of what you would like to achieve. Mm. So, you know, even nowadays, I've got a, before I begin something, I've got a very clear picture of where we're at. And even then, I, I wanted to be successful at it. I wanted to be something in the world, you know, for myself and to to make an impact somewhere on, in the world and on the world. And, I, and that's still a, a goal of mine to do it. But not only for myself, I think if, when you start doing it for others, it becomes more impactful for others and, ironically enough, for yourself. So, you know, within that martial arts, I was very fortunate to find um, a, 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 a great instructor from Bray, actually, in County Wicklow, uh, an Iranian man, but he's been in Ireland for 30 years, Masan Gabani. Um, mm. Very, very highly ranked martial artist. And How did you find him? Say, I mean, that's that's extremely good fortune to come across mm-hmm. a teacher as as good as that. Well, it's the wrong teacher say, ruins it for you, yeah, essentially. There you go. Yeah, it, they say in martial arts, if you were to spend the, the first year of your journey um, looking for the right teacher, it would be the best year of your martial arts career. <laughs> so I'd already started in it. I think there's a magic to starting anyway. You know, I think if you're there's there's a bit of push and pull with that. One's got to get going as well. You can't even, you know, you just got to make some progress and take it from there. And um, I'd met him and I was just amazed when you speak to him that his philosophies and the people who he trained with, I mean, he trained directly under Bruce Lee's coach, Grandmaster Jihan Jay, who's still alive, and uh, was able to introduce me to him where I trained, uh, etc. with him, uh, managed to go out and train with him in the United States was able to go off to the Philippines and train there. So opened up a whole world. Um, You're one step away. You're one conversation away from your whole world changing if you have the courage to be able to have that conversation and just start a conversation. These things can happen. That's that's what can happen in your life. I mean, the person you're speaking to has got, who knows a thousand people and everyone is the same. And this was a conversation that I had in my life changed radically as a result of that conversation that was um, martial arts was the absolute you know bridge which i crossed over to be able to and the necessary bridge to be able to do what i do now in the world yeah that was very necessary so i mean you you fought for ireland and kickboxing and karate you, five is it correct to say five different black belts 
Mm -hmm. Jihan Jay, when you mentioned the name there, and I'm sure people, some people will know the name right away. People will know who Bruce Lee is. Uh, mm -hmm. But I'm always fascinated to know what the difference is, like what whether I'm talking to somebody who is dealing with the NBA or somebody who's just dealing with elite level. What do you see as the difference between the high end of this sport and the difference between good and great, essentially? Mm -hmm. I think um, years spent definitely passion. Absolutely. Uh, he has a passion for it. He'll still come on the floor in his mid 80s. No, he can still move in his mid 80s. And if he gets you, if he gets hold of you um, in his mid 80s, he'll take you down. And if you don't go down, you'll, your finger will break or your wrist will, will go. I've experienced that myself. He's quite a phenomenal character. And the way that the Koreans as well were trained, uh, I think he was the chief presidential bodyguard in Korea. And the way they're trained, that training, very few people train like that nowadays. Let's put it that way. I mean, that's not to take anything away from how guys train nowadays. Uh, it's very professional with good recovery, et cetera, et cetera. But these guys went through incredibly tough times. You know, it's a different style, let, let's say. So definitely, he's, and his philosophies as well. Mm. Um, I think if there's no philosophy with the martial arts, you're just learning a system of violence. Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with that either, if that's what you want to do. But don't mix up the two. You know, one is a way of life. And one is a life path and the other is, you know, uh, yeah, it is a system of violence. And you need to be able to distinguish between the two because if you don't, the, you know, perhaps there's not a lot of life and, and growth that comes out of it. I think it's very important that with, with martial arts and um, I think uh, the founder of uh, Finuchikai said that uh, karate begins and ends with etiquette. So that there is something more to it than the punching and, you know, all of the and the fighting and all the rest that goes with it. So there is, um, you know, that traditional Japanese samurai warrior culture still exists within the martial arts. And that's also very attractive. Yeah. And I mean, it does make sense in terms of, uh, you know, your life now as a motivator, as a, a performance coach and how, mm -hmm. you know, you've employed, as we said at the start, these feats of strength, not mm -hmm. as mere feats of strength, but as metaphors for yeah. limitation, possibility and mm -hmm. expectation of ourselves and the world yes. around us. Right. So yes. those I know it's easy to understand these things in hindsight, but these things must click along the way. Does the click of how these actions and these activities are not a system of violence, but rather a, a wider story or a narrative to understanding the world. Does that click before the financial crash in Ireland or after? No, it, it was always there for me. That was always, I think if you grew up as a kid and you were, a, if you had an attraction to Bruce Lee or that sort of genre as a kid, there was something more to what Bruce Lee was about than just fighting or being a movie star. He had an aura about him and he had a philosophy that goes with it that still exists to this, to this day. So there's something more about the guy that, that attracts you as a young man. And for me, that was always part of the way. I was always a seeker 
of, of, of knowledge, a seeker of a way of doing things. And so that was very much in the beginning, definitely a long time be, be, before the crash. Yeah. So I know you've you've spoken about it and at times I've heard you say, well, let's not go too far into that because, you know, we don't want that to become your story, I guess, to an extent. Mm -hmm. But yeah. look, John, we're in a period where people are trying to navigate change. And as you mm -hmm. know better than anyone. That's the advice that people are coming to you for now mm -hmm. uh, and other performance consultants that I've spoken to, whether they're sports psychologists or literally corporate culture changers talk about yeah. navigating change. You, mm -hmm. by the sounds of things, had the rug pulled from beneath you uh, like no one can imagine to the extent that you were starting from scratch and literally, literally starting from zero. Can you talk us yeah. through that once and for all? What yeah. what what happened? Let's put it down, record it now so that nobody mm -hmm. ever has to ask you the question again. <laughs> well put. I took a shot at things in, in 2006, 2007. I mean, Irish property had going up, uh, been going up by seven, on average, seven percent per year over the last 70 years. So how could you possibly go wrong? Mm. You couldn't go wrong. Uh, there's no there's no like they used to say. The price isn't going to come down, is it? Um, <laughs> and yeah, I bought in, <laughs> yep. and I really went. I really went for it in the way that I have this all-or-nothing principle and style. And um, you know, and I'm not going to use the word unfortunately, but it was very unfortunate at the time. But now I look back on it and say it was actually um, a necessary thing um, because without that, I would never have. Life is a way of moving you on. Now you don't realize that at the time. And it's your resistance to the move that causes the pain mm. and you, your belief in I'm going to get over this and I'm not going to give up. You know, sometimes you've got to let go. It's like, you know, that story of the samurai who's, who's caught in the trap. Do you cut your leg off to, to get loose and to escape? Or do you just stay in the trap and think you're going to fight it out? There comes a time when you've got to let go. And, and I had to let go. So I lost everything businesses, car, right down to your car, properties, the whole kabang shoot. And uh, there's a saying, when everything changes, change everything. And I had an opportunity to come to South Africa and start like literally from scratch, from so nothing. When you say you had an opportunity, what did that look like? Because for a lot of people in that position, as you say, and look, there's going to be people listening to this, John, who go, yep, mm -hmm. I, I bought that T-shirt. I I lost yeah. a, a hell of a lot. I mean, friends of mine who, who went through it, too. And, yeah. you know, there's a shame to it, right? There was a certain amount mm -hmm. of aha. There was a you, lot of shame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was it was like there was a little bit of, uh, oh, there's your comeuppance to it. There was a certain exactly. schadenfreude to it, certain mm -hmm. people and would view it as you got greedy. But all of that aside, many yeah. people just didn't have the, the opportunity, as you say, to go right, change everything. Change has happened, change yeah. everything. What was the I, opportunity I, to go to South Africa? I, I, you know, I'm, first of all, I, I, like, I really recognize that um, I was there. And, you know, yeah, there is a, you, you are made to feel that way when you when, you, when your name gets on Stubbs Gazette, when you do all of that. But do you know what? The, many of these guys, it's, it's, you know, many of these people were people who really went for it. Mm. And 
we need people like that in life. Um, we need people who are going for it. We need people who are pushing the frontiers. And a lot of them were, were people who were doing that. And um, yeah, you know, and yeah, sure, pushing all sadly, the chips into the middle of the table and going. Yeah, Let's play. but it's sadly in Ireland, like we lose a lot of people like that, you know. And you know, what our our greatest export for the last hundred and fifty years has been our people. You know, mm. look at the amount of Irish people who've gone abroad, particularly you know, to countries like the United States who've done, who've became you know became ended up being president of the United States, very involved in things, and and how is that and what makes that happen? So. There is always opportunity, you know, that's the first thing. I think to look at it again, you've got to get out of the way. You first got to accept that this is going down, this is real, and things are not going to be the same again. And um, I think acceptance is the first part, you know, and a lot of people don't accept it. And they try to keep try to keep up a front with it. And there's no need. I mean, who uh, ultimately, who are you trying to impress? So there you have it. That's a little taste of John McGrath. I really urge you to come on over to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad to hear the rest of it and all of our episodes. It's the only way that Irishman Abroad can continue is we've made this choice to go to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad and encourage you to kick in the price of a coffee each month and the show can survive these difficult times. I get that everybody's having trouble financially at the moment. Well, this podcast relies now on you and I'm delighted to say that because of that support, we're able to expand and continue and grow the show into two extra episodes each week that are exclusive to our patrons. That's Irishman Running Abroad and Irishman in America with Marion McKeown. And we'll have another series starting later in the month that I will tell you about. But the only way to get it all is to go to patreon.com forward slash Irishman Abroad and sign up. My thanks to John McGrath, to John Marr for his extra research, to Tina and Mikey for making it all possible. And as always, to Brian Connolly for his production on the show. Uh, Lads, thanks a lot for listening and come on over to Patreon to hear the rest of it.